Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by Ed, Ed, Mike, and myself, Steve. Welcome. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm going to assume for the moment that the hottest story that people want to get off their chest is Durham. Is that relatively fair to say? What's so hot about that one? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a little bit of my piece. Um, a... Obviously, it's a disappointment for some people. B, it's not that surprising. C, it'll move the needle for probably Jake Capper and maybe two other people in the country, and it'll be forgotten about. It's not supposedly or seemingly everybody's lining up on their side to celebrate. So both sides are celebrating total you know, victory and exoneration. Um, I would like two people to shut up, <clears throat> neither of which will surprise you guys which would be Barr and Dershowitz. I think the world would be a better place if they would just stop uh, flapping their gums. And that's about my introductory piece to my opinion on the Durham report and what exactly will be its repercussions, i.e. pretty much nothing. Well, the repercussion yeah. is that the, the Democrats know that they can get away with things. Exactly. They'll never be held responsible. Well, I don't think it's the Democrats, it's the FBI. I, I you know, the FBI is, is currently aligned. Adam, Adam Schiff, FBI, it's not the FBI. FBI Democrats, what's the difference? You can't yeah, think exactly. Adam Schiff, who is probably the worst culprit in certain senses outside of law enforcement, and he'll just go to the Senate. Yeah, I mean, he's protected from uh, defamation, I suppose. I don't know, but I mean, again, Trump has the stupidest legal team ever assembled in the history of our planet. Um, so I, I don't expect him to be, I mean, he only had one victory over uh, the, the porn star in his entire legal lifetime uh, since 2016. Um, but uh, he, he just doesn't know how to strategically do lawfare. Um, yeah, I mean, Tapper, like I say, is the one guy who seemed to say this is going to be a problem or it is a problem for Democrats. But for the most part, from anybody I've heard, the Democrats are saying this proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that Trump was horrible and we were right about everything. <laughs> now let's move on. I mean, you yeah. got like yeah. uh, Peter Strzok mouthing off on how wonderful this is. You He's got laughing. Weissman <laughs> mouthing off on how wonderful this is. And it's because of the press. No one's going yeah. no to push anything. So. Uh you know what? You shared that one uh, article in the show notes about Peter Strzok. The, guy, the guy's laughing his ass off. He got a, He's got away all the way to the bank. They got away, yeah, to the bank, too. Who said crime doesn't pay or wrongdoing doesn't pay anyway. Right. Um, corruption doesn't pay. It certainly does. Well, it certainly does. Yeah. He's, he's totally laughing. Laughing his ass off. They got away with everything. They they. Mission accomplished. They 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 did they did what they set out to do. Right. And to, to Durham's credit, I mean, what would be the point in indicting and prosecuting? Why waste the time? So they went either way, as always on the yeah. left. See, he didn't even indict anybody. But had he indicted yeah. anybody, see, he can't win. Well, of course. But he you can. know what? If, if he's gonna, if that's the case, then <laughs> then his report should have been should have said something like that. He should have well, said it kind of it kind of did I, one of the uh, in this article by the shipwreck crew, which I'm just um, which I'm just perusing um, the 
uh, it, it's very interesting because he lost two cases, um, Sussman and Danchenko, in the D.C. trial. And um, they were tried in District Columbia, Eastern District of Virginia, against, this is quoting Shipwreck Crew, against individuals who associate themselves with the Obama administration and the Democrat Party apparatus. He confronted the political realities of the juror pools in both instances. He included in his report a sentence I thought was very telling with respect to the decision to not seek more indictments, assuming he was given permission to do so. Here's the quote from the report. Juries can bring strongly held views to the courtroom in criminal trials involving political subject matters, and those views can, in turn, affect the likelihood of obtaining a conviction, separate and apart from the strength of the actual evidence and despite a court's best efforts to impanel a fair and impartial jury. Basically, he's saying he can't get a fair trial in DC. Now, that's no excuse. They, sh they should be subject to the lawfare that all the Republicans are, having to hire a lawyer and defend themselves and whatnot. But he's basically saying that there's no chance of getting conviction in, uh, in a, a DC court because no fair jury is available. How sad. And it doesn't matter even, you know, Hillary et al. They get off absolutely scot-free, even though there's also part of the report, I believe, is that they, you know, not only did they go after Trump, but they also ignored Hillary on purpose. And they knew that Hillary concocted the whole thing and that everything people on the right said the whole time was correct. And yeah. Trump, a, Trump could have forced an indictment of Hillary. He could have forced that. Um, and in fact, that was one of his campaign promises in um, 2016 to appoint a special prosecutor to look at Hillary. And he didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, at the time, I think the idea was, well, if we start doing lawfare against presidential candidates of the other party, where will this end? And, you know, to well, a certain it, extent, it could have ended in him being indicted, you know? Yeah, it it. it to a certain extent, that's true. But I mean, that particular Rubicon has been uh, crossed a long time ago. Um, and so um, I think Trump made a tactical error. And now he's in well, he's five million dollars in a loft. Uh, Am I correct case. that the president can't appoint a special counsel, only the attorney general or somebody can? No, it's a unitary executive. The president can do whatever he wants. Um, that that the I think the idea is that in, in many states, the attorney general is separately elected, like in Virginia. So the government has no control over the attorney general's um, doing things. So it, they're separate constitutional offices. And so, yeah, so Governor Youngkin has no, um, no control over what Attorney General Miaris does here in Virginia. But the federal constitution is different. And I think people over the years thought well, the progressives thought that um, the Justice Department should be fair, impartial, and, and outside of political control. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that, by the way. It's just what the, the progressives want. They want technocracy in everything. You know, they want the EPA out of the control of politics. They want the FDA out of control of politics. They want the, you know, um, uh, Fed, the Federal Reserve out. Of, I mean, that's their whole thing. And so... They want the Justice Department outside of uh, the control of, of politics. And, and that's kind of been the norm for the last 50 years or so. I think ever since um, Bobby Kennedy was murdered, uh, I think they thought 
the the idea is to everybody kind of uniparty agreed that it should be outside of politics. But if the president ordered the attorney general appoint a special counsel, the attorney general could do it and keep his job or could not do it and get fired. And that's basically and then that's what I mean, the president. No attorney general would have done it. And he's not. We've had this discussion before. He was not going to fire 15 attorney generals. I'd be too afraid of what happened with Nixon. This is not going to happen. The president, as I said and argued many times, was powerless to do that. Well, in a lot of ways, Trump ran into the problem that uh, McConnell uh, told him flat out that he was not going to um, appoint, uh, not going to confirm any non-swamp creature to his administration. You know, and so he he basically Trump was basically at the mercy of McConnell as to who he could and could not appoint. Occasionally, he snuck someone in like Rick Grinnell, um, who is, you know, OK, so he's a gay conservative. And so he's not entirely uh, what we would be call a normie. But he he um, uh, he was snuck in in a lower post. The Senate confirmed him and then he was uh, put in charge of the um, director of national intelligence role for, you know, like six weeks and did some real damage to the uh, security state. Um, but again, it, it's very resilient, so he couldn't do that uh, all the time. But when it came to like the one thing he could do, like the national security advisor and the NSD and all that, he appointed um, General, what was his name? The guy. Yeah, he appointed General Flynn. Now, He's General bringing Flynn, him back. He's bringing now him General Flynn's a little weird, right? But he he was a good guy, and uh, and the Uniparty was aghast at this, and so basically entrapped him and put him in the, this legal predicament. And they would have done that to anyone else. He appointed Douglas McGregor. Now, Douglas McGregor and I don't agree on a bunch of things, but he's very much a non-intervention, um, anti-intervention uh, guy at the very end of his presidency. Um, and he got away with that because everybody was with COVID. But if he tried to put Douglas McGregor in in 2017, right after General Flynn, I mean, he, the, the FBI and the other um, you know, national security apparatus would have done the same thing to him as they did to Flynn. So pretty much as always, the Democrats will give their president what he wants. The Republicans won't give their president what they want what they want. Therefore, no Republican president really has power to steer the ship. Well, the Uniparty will do what they want, right? I mean, if suppose in, you know, suppose Biden trips and falls and, and uh, you know, breaks his hip and uh, decides not to run. And uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., uh, my man, um, gets to be Democratic uh, nominee and he wins uh, the presidency. The Uniparty isn't going to do what he wants even though he's a Democrat, because he is way oh, outside here, the unit party. He's way they outside. They wouldn't let it get that far in the first place. Well, I mean, that's what happened to his dad and his uncle, right? I mean, so, well, yeah, that's the thing. Is I wasn't uh, going there, but. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's where you go uh, when you think about it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so it's the, it's the uniparty that's the problem. And if you're outside, like Trump was outside the uniparty and Kennedy is outside the uniparty. And so. They, even though one's a Republican, one's a Democrat, they would never get what they right. want. But you could be much more radical and still get Democrats. The problem is Kennedy is much smarter and more tactical than Trump. But how weird is it that Kennedy is openly saying they killed his uncle? 
I don't know. Well, there are. Weird. Well, there are five yeah. theories, it's right? Not weird. It's not weird if it's true. Anybody. Okay. Number yeah. one, by definition, that makes him a conspiracy theorist, which is what he was, which is why it was so hard for him to get credibility in anything. So he's going against, you know, Warren Commission and all the other received wisdom of everybody in this country. I think for him to come out and be a serious candidate and say that in a serious way, to me, that's, it's just weird. I'm surprised he's doing it because he's tried very hard to get out of the tinfoil hat crowd with his vaccines and autism and all his other stuff. So, and this is not a popular opinion, the way I understand it, to say the CIA killed the president. Maybe I have a, a, a limited circle of friends like you clowns, but I don't know anybody who thinks that uh, Lee Harvey Oswald acted as a, as a lone gunman. But again, maybe but that's not my circle that. of friends. But you don't say that out loud. <laughs> oh, Oliver Stone can make movies about it. Your tinfoil hat, if you say that out loud. Yeah, I forgot my tinfoil. Because it's been proven by 14 commissions, just like, you know, Crossfire Hurricane until the Durham report, et cetera, et cetera. I just think it's interesting. And that is he weighing, does that hurt his credibility? Because what is he seeking to gain by saying that? I, I don't think he thinks about it that way. I think he just, that's his opinion. And so that's what he says. He's like Trump in that way. I mean, he just says what he thinks, but he's a lot smarter than Trump. I mean, he is not an ideal candidate, you know, but. Well, what are the chances that if he ever became president, he would actually do something to quote unquote investigate it? Well, there was a, um, there was a report of a private meeting between Kennedy and DeSantis. And, um, you know, they would, they were talking about like the FDA or, or the CDC, one of the, the whole COVID totalitarian organization. And um, the report from the meeting was, um, there was a, a polite disagreement about what to do. Uh, DeSantis said, burn it all to the ground. And Kennedy said, no, no, there's a way to fix it so that it can get it can not do what it's doing and, and do what it's supposed to do. And I, I, you know, again, I, that was the report. Now, obviously I'm on the burn it all down side of the, of the aisle. And so it, from the statement perspective, I agree with DeSantis. If this report is true, if the meeting even happened, you know how these internet reports are. Um, but could you actually burn it to the ground? I don't know. Could you actually get the Congress to defund it and, and uh, you know, fire everybody or, or get the power to fire like the entire senior staff at the FDA, something like that? So I, I don't know. But in that sense, he's more technocratic than, uh, than DeSantis. But I don't trust DeSantis doing it. I, I just think it's, it's utopian. Right. And there's nobody who could become president that probably would even have a way to go after Clapper and Brennan and all those people. It's the ship. Uh, the, right? the, yeah, I mean, they'd have to pass a law uh, repealing the statute of limitations for a year. No, no, that will never be done. And the, uh, federal law repealing the statute of limitations and then go after them. And then uh, it'll go back to being whatever it was after the one year passes. That's what they'd have to do. And uh, the truth of the matter is, that's what they should do. But uh, I think Trump is going to get out of the whole, you know, statute of limitations 
because it was, I, I think it's so obviously essentially, uh, you know, an ex post facto kind of law, but um, yeah, that's what you do. If you want to play hardball, that's what you do. You know, I'm still getting a kick out of people who say, we don't want Americans to think that we have a two tier justice system. Is there any American who doesn't? I mean, is there any faith among any um, sentient human being that we have a fair justice system? Although, I mean, on the left, they actually think we're going after the left too hard and only the left gets it, <laughs> which yeah, sure. in parallel universe. I think one of the things that Durham report is showing once again is that everybody is pretending to read the same report and coming out with diametrically opposed conclusions, which shows that we are in an unhealable rift between well, two sides of the country. The report is meaningless. Yeah. The, the narrative and it gives them the chance to the that we spent money and time on it too, by the way. Yeah. Which is pretty funny after mm -hmm. after Mueller, et cetera. Right. But yeah, I th so I think, I guess overall, it's a sad day for America. Yeah, I mean, well, it takes, it us, sad, takes us just, just another step towards the banana republic totalitarian state. One of the more interesting things one. I think that came out was um, bef after the election and before the um, the Electoral College voted in, in the 2016 election, um, there was this statement made by 50 ex-intelligence people about how there, there was Russian you know, interference in the election. And what came out of the Duran report, uh, and I've had this argument with a friend of mine, actually, is he said, well, they're all ex-intelligence. Uh, there was no actual acting, you know, intelligence uh, people uh, who worked on it. And what came out of the report was, no, that whole thing was organized by the CIA and the DNI, the Obama CIA and DNI. Mm -hmm. They went around and got all those people to sign it. And that is... In my view, that is it, because even though the popular election occurred, the the uh, electoral college election hadn't occurred, and I think the purpose of that was to try to influence the electoral college to you know reject Trump. And as far as I'm concerned, politically, that's a capital crime. So uh, the I just, whole, I gotta, whole I gotta, CIA should be. I, I agree with you, Ed, but I want to go even further. I, Steve, you say this is a sad day for America, but I think the sad thing about this is what it reveals about Trump. And let's look at this from a different perspective. Of all the people in the universe, Trump knows better than anyone that he didn't collude. Why in the hell did he wait for a Durham report to come forward? He knew in 2015 and 16 and 17, he didn't do anything wrong. He should have come with the full fury and the full power of the federal government after these people to make that kind of allegation against him that he knew had absolutely no basis in reality was ridiculous. And he sat there and he let the Mueller report come out. He lets the Durham report come out. He sits back. He does nothing. Trump is not our savior. That's that's the thing that comes out of this for me. OK, so I'm going to fire Cody. I'm going to agree with you totally on what you're saying. I will stipulate to all that. But where were all his quote unquote advisors and lawyers and everything else? Why didn't they do anything like everybody folded? I agree with that. But I mean, you know, what comes into my head. It com what comes into my head is is Reagan's speech at the Berlin Wall. 
and how he he kept taking putting in the the statement, Mr. Gorbachev, if you seek peace, tear down this wall. And his his advisors kept taking it out and he kept putting it back in and he put it in the final speech. Trump was the president of the United States. I don't care if his advisors were bad. I don't care that he is the one who appointed them. He is the one in control. And you know what? He's the alpha male. And he showed he doesn't just follow along. I mean, this is just ridiculous. And we're just the the willingness to let Trump off the hook on these things just, it, just really blows me away. Trump's claim to fame, as far as I know, included two words, which were what, Mike? Sorry. <laughs> You're fired. You're fired. Yeah. Wasn't that what made him so famous? Yeah, that was his whole thing. Well, that's why I just said. I mean, I'm not. I'm listen. I think Ed is generally correct. Um, I I don't know what goes on in, in that head of Donald Trump. I know he fired Comey. He did get but rid. He of did him. that kind of late, didn't he? He also reappointed him before he fired him. Well, it wasn't that long into his presidency that he got rid Who of him. Who cares? Comey is the Comey said during the campaign. Hillary did it, but no one would convict him. I'm not going to bring a prosecution. Well, this is what this is basically what Durham just did. <laughs> right, but if, if if you're going to campaign on lock her up, you don't reappoint Comey to to be attorney to to run the uh, the FBI when I did. I think he's not. What I think there's different layers to it. I think one of them is that he's just not a principled guy, like like this group sitting here right now. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't think that that motivates. I don't see it as principled. I see it more the way Ed's saying. I see it's lacking a certain, I don't know, a certain strength, a certain leadership, which again, why I bring up the you're fired thing. All of a sudden, he's afraid to rise above the pack and say, I don't care what you think. I'm going to exert my control when he's now the most powerful person in the country. I mean, it would have been interesting. Had you're right, Ed, had he come in the first day and started you know, firing people, because what that's doing now is, you know, he's going to do it in his second term. Now everything is, well, when I get in there, I'm going to pardon this one and I'm going to fire that one and I'm going to clean that one. And I, I can never get past the, yeah, <laughs> why didn't Well, the, the same thing about? happened to uh, Eisenhower, right? He, he was a general. He was used to getting his way. He would give orders. People would follow them. If they didn't, he would fire them. And he got into office and found that no one in the federal government um, obeyed him, even his own appointees. And so he mostly just, you know, golfed. <laughs> I mean, he did a few things. We got reelected. But I mean, he, he, he just basically threw up his hands and said, I, I can't do this and didn't do anything. I mean, I don't like Eisenhower as an individual and I didn't like him as a general. But as a president, he didn't do anything. So I kind of like him, right? Because the doing things generally um, means doing bad things. Nixon did a lot of stuff. Uh, most of it was bad. But Eisenhower, about like, Eisenhower though, I, I don't disagree with you on Eisenhower, but other than the Cold War, the 1950s was a time of peace, of tranquility, of, of, of Americanism. We're not, that's not our time today. We need bold leadership today. We can't yeah. sit back. I mean, we- but, I mean, just, that was the point of Eisenhower's uh, farewell address which has been quoted so many times recently about um, not just this uh, the you military, know, military industrial complex, but the scientific technical elite, that paragraph, which, which came before the uh, military industrial complex, he was warring against this, this takeover of the country by a, 
you know, a technocratic uh, government bureaucrats who are completely uh, unaccountable to anyone, including himself, and because that's what he learned. And of course, again, going back to my favorite RFK Jr. thing, it's like, apparently Kennedy wanted to make some changes. And uh, that is one of the, uh, um, you know, one of the potential motivations for his murder was that he, uh, he wanted to uh, basically go along with it. Um, you know, go, go along with Eisenhower's ideas to try to bring back uh, political control over some of these out of control agencies, especially in Kennedy's particular instance, the CIA, who, you know, completely screwed up the Bay of Pigs and left him hanging, hanging out. Ed, and let me see if I'm reading you correctly, and then you can tell me where I'm wrong. If I understand you, then if you would be the campaign manager for DeSantis, just for argument's sake, your campaign would be, this is about leadership. Trump has proven not to be one. Um, I'm not sure I would personalize it quite like that. I think I would focus on policy because, I mean, if I'm DeSantis, I would focus on on COVID when it comes to Trump and I'd focus on the vaccines because Trump can't defend that and he's not willing to admit that he made a mistake. And I think that that's, I, I think that even Democrats understand, forget about that. I mean, everyone who's voting in a Republican primary understands how bad co Trump's COVID policies were. And I would I would not personalize it the way you just said that. Why not? Can I ask? Well, I mean, he could say you you promised to drain the swamp, but you didn't really do it. You weren't. Well, no, why shouldn't he use your line? He was a proven non-leader. He passed the buck. He just yielded too much. Why? You asked me if I were advised. I mean, I, would I would I stay? Would I tell him? Oh, you can't say things like that. No, of course I would be willing to say that. But if I were his campaign manager, what would I focus on? I would focus on the policy because I think Trump is very vulnerable on policy. And when you go after someone personally, you run the risk of se seeming like a bully. Whereas if you go after policy, there's no yeah, defense. So I guess the reason I disagree with you about that is you can have the greatest policies in the world, but as shown, if you're not willing to implement them and you're going to sit on your, you know what, like Trump did, which is what we said. Right. Well, but that's the whole thing. Policies. I would go after Trump's policies and I would contrast them with all the things that DeSantis is doing. I mean, DeSantis has a record. He's not Ted Cruz. You know, Trump thinks he can call him sanctimonious the way he called Ted Lion Ted. But other than, you know, being a senator, Ted Cruz had no record. DeSantis has a record. And I don't think Trump is going to be able to convince Republican primary voters that DeSantis's record is bad. I mean, I would, DeSantis, DeSantis, I would focus on the records. DeSantis did fire people. I mean, to me, that's the, the greatest comparison here. Is right. And he, he exactly. And he and that that but that's the whole thing. That's not personalizing. That's saying that's comparing policies and comparing leadership styles. I, I wouldn't the way you did. Maybe it was just your phrasing. I don't know that I would make I would per, make it a personal attack on him rather than just this is what I did. This is what Trump did. Which do you want? Um. So you wouldn't highlight the fact that when X, Y, and Z was going on, Trump did not do A, B, and C when he could have. Trump was the leader of the country, but allowed all of these things to happen. Allow and again got railroaded. Well, that's going after, that's going after his policies. I would go yeah, after his policies. policies. I forget exactly how you phrased it. 
Okay. You said you, uh, you you attacked him. You know, Trump is not a leader. He's not the leader that we need. And the way you phrased it like that, I mean, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but I, that was just it sounded too personal to me. And it's unnecessarily personal. You can make the same argument by going after the policies without characterizing him as a bad leader. OK, well, maybe the only difference is putting him down versus building him up. I don't know. I just think that's one of the big advantages DeSantis, by not having been president, doesn't have to answer for four years of not leading anything. Now, will he be any better if he were in the White House? Who knows? It's tough in there, like Ed P. just said. But he doesn't have that problem right now. To me, Trump has to be nailed over and over and over of why didn't you do this before? Why did you roll over in front of everybody so often? So, which again, why I'm so sick of the Bill Bars and everything else. Like Bill Barr... <laughs> It was Trump's, uh, I don't know, ace up his sleeve, knight in shining armor, however you want to put it, and became a big nothing as well. So what I think Trump's Trump doing a pretty good job of shooting himself in the foot, though. I mean, you know, I don't want to bury him before the, you know, before, you know, prematurely, but he's saying he's saying and doing some things that I just don't think are going to fly well with with or sit well with Republican primary voters. I mean, not just the attacks on DeSantis, but uh you know, you know, just in the last week or two, he's been really going after the pro-life movement. Really? And I didn't know that. What's he doing? He's he's saying that he came after DeSantis on the the six week heartbeat heartbeat bill okay. that, that he signed. And he's saying that that it's uh, it's too extreme. And I don't well, know. He's really flailing. And that's a signal that he he doesn't know how to attack DeSantis. I, I, I have to say, I agree with him from a purely political standpoint, it is, uh, it's a loser. Six weeks is a loser. And, uh, uh, you know, I know primary. Eh, I think so. I do. I think I know that there is a hardcore group of people who think, you know, zero weeks. Um, but you can't even, Ed, let me say know. this. Trump brags about overturning Roe v. Wade. Do you really think that some nuanced position now on abortion is going to win him a single pro-abortion or pro-choice voter. Yeah, you're right. I don't think you're so. right. Um, okay, I'm speaking in general. I'm telling every all the Republicans out there who are very excited about Roe v. Wade being um, overturned. Six weeks is going to lose you the state uh, houses. I, I, I agree with that. I'm just saying as between Trump and DeSantis, Trump's attacks are shooting himself in the foot. Right, because Trump is basically crazy. looking what they do and doing the opposite. And DeSantis could trap him in a hundred ways now. Because if Correct, because this comes out against Hitler, Trump will grow a mustache. Oh, that's the quote of the day. I want to take that one back. <laughs> yeah. Thank God I have the mute key. <laughs> I mean, there was also the, you know, the dueling uh, rallies that they were supposed to have in Iowa this past weekend. I don't know if you saw that story. What was that? So Trump cut out because of weather? I didn't really follow it very closely. Yeah, he said that, that it was weather, but it was really that the the reports that he wasn't going to get a big crowd. And he's I don't know. There was a tornado warning. It's pretty serious. I, I don't know. It. it it, from what I could read in the Twitter, you know, for the community notes um, for someone who said that he was scared because the warning was over after, you know, 
before he was even supposed to land, um, uh, it, it's clear that, in fact, there was a tornado warning and that uh, it was no not flight. safe to land. There was no flight that was delayed or, or diverted from Des Moines Airport. Yeah. And also, this was his second time. Remember that whole France trip business that they said he didn't go because of the weather and he gets to say, well, the Secret Service wouldn't let me. But he doesn't really have that excuse as strongly right now. I don't think it made him look great. I'm not. Well, and DeSantis then went and went. He was like five minutes away from where Trump was supposed to hold his rally. Right. At the same exact time. Yeah. Well, like within an hour or two. Like I say, the contrast, I, again, I think Trump just tripped on himself in that one. I don't know what his point was. Um, and I just, I have to say one more knock on my buddy Dershowitz. Good people doing bad things. Why can't people just keep their mouths shut? Maybe it's bad people doing bad things. <laughs> what did Dershowitz uh, say that has got About the you... Durham report. Good people doing yeah, bad things. Yeah, that, that's... Yes. Uh, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and... Mm -hmm. Clapper and Brennan and Comey and everybody else, Weissman, they're all good people doing bad things. Yeah, yeah. And again, it gets to call a spade a spade. Oh, you can't do that anymore. That's racist. I, I know that. I know. Definitely. Like I say, I have the mute button. So I want to talk about immigration. And I, you know, I brought it up yeah. last week. New York is such a hotspot right now. And I don't know if on my autopsy, it's going to read died of laughter. Because the absolute panic of the New York state politicians now, including the mayor Adams and even the governor, whose name nobody can pronounce, it is mind boggling. They cannot scream enough how horrible this is that 500 or 1,000 immigrants are coming in and there's no place for them. They're throwing homeless vets out of hotels, so they're being protested on that. I mean, there's literally no limit to how much the quote, leaders of the Democrat Party in New York who made such a big deal out of being sanctuary places are going out of their minds for something which isn't a hundredth of what's going on in Texas. I, I, I can't get enough of it. I think they should ship them all to New York, even yeah. though I know you live there. But uh, the I don't mind. It, it is. It, it, <laughs> and, and has Biden changed his policy due to these New York people? Has Chuck Schumer complained? No. I don't know. Has Schumer hasn't said anything, has he? No. No, but they're gonna, they're trying to divert the immigrant the migrants to Orange and Rockland County, and right, to, which apparently was region. that was blocked, I think, successfully. I mean, they're putting them in school gyms and saying they won't be anywhere near schools. Just, it, to me, it's the panic, and it also says to me that you know, a year or two, whenever I think it was Abbott who actually got this ball rolling, and people said maybe it was a stunt. It hits me that had they done this even sooner, this is flushing out Democrats beyond their greatest hopes. Mm. Democrats aren't waiting for 100,000 immigrants. They're doing this for a few hundred. Well, didn't they just dump someone on uh, Kamala's doorstep too? Supposedly, we yeah. Need, yeah, well, we need to keep doing that. I think keep that putting more. them in, excuse me, Mike, mm. to be correct, I think they're going to put them in yellow school buses in front of her house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I just, it's unbelievable. And then you got, I don't know if you saw the story, truckers threatening to boycott Florida over the immigration law. Now, again, I don't know how much truth there is to that. I don't, I mean, I don't know whose nose would be cut off if they did that. I don't know why truckers want to have illegal immigrants anyway. I, 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 I say, I say stay out. Yeah. Good riddance. 
to the truckers. Yeah. Well, how are we going to get Tropicana orange juice? I Again, there are plenty of independent truckers who are uh, don't want their jobs taken by either AI or illegal immigrants to deliver things. I think exactly right. I think you'd have a convoy of truckers. Yeah, begging to go and do truck do to pick up loads in Florida. Actually, knowing DeSantis, he'll make a press conference and offer every Canadian trucker five thousand bucks to move down here. <laughs> And it may even work. Even if they come illegally. Canadians? I don't know. They cross the border. Yeah. Um, and then right before the show is when I saw that MTG filed impeachment articles against Mayorkas. And apparently it's the first time since we control, quote unquote, the House. So I'm curious, will that flush out a few Republicans or it won't even matter? It won't matter if there's not leadership. I mean, it's just a stunt and a talking point right now, which is fine. We need talking points, and we need to we need good to stunt is pretty good. Can help a good stunt can help every now and then too. Yeah. Well, you know, sending migrants was a stunt in a way. I think it should be putting McCarthy on the spot because what is possible reasoning is there not to impeach this guy? They ripped into him every single day in committees. Um, if you you know, he's the lowest hanging fruit. Again, if McCarthy had any testicles, which he does not, um, the whole debt ceiling would include closing the border, period, not letting anyone in. They can pass that law and Biden can sign it. Um, but he won't do that because he's just as enthralled to the, uh, you know. But even if Biden signed that law, Ed, what good would it do? He wouldn't enforce it. Right. Well, then make it have private right of action you know i i don't got to do something i i agree with you i just i i i don't think that that would be testicles i think that that would almost hand biden a victory i mean if i'm if i'm the democrats i would tell biden sign that bill and then don't enforce it i mean that's that's their that's their game you mean like the entire immigration law that we don't enforce i mean listen if you listen to mayorkas himself mayorkas has been saying since last week when title 11 ended or Title 42 ended, that that border crossings are down. These people just lie, and they don't do their they don't do what they're supposed to do. If I if if McCarthy were to pass that law, get get his Republicans to pass that bill, and I'm I'm the Democrats, I say go for it. Let's you know we'll give you this, and you got to give us something else. You got to give us you know some big debt ceiling increase, and then they'll take the debt ceiling increase. And just not enforce the part of the law they don't like. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do if I were the Democrats. Which is kind and, of their and then and then campaign on. See, Biden is serious about the border. Mm-hmm. He signed the toughest border bill ever. Even Harvey <laughs> says so. And that's yeah, what I'm doing. You got a point. Now he's advising the Biden campaign. You're getting around this show, Ed. <laughs> well, God help me. I mean, the thing is, if he signs it, and then you get a Republican, then it hopefully would be. Yeah, I don't think they're worried about a Republican winning. No, and I'm not sure that they have to. We'll see. Um, Plenty of cheating to be done. Um, I can't remember which of us drink beer on this show. I know I don't. When I'm off my low-carb diet, yes. 
I occasionally <laughs> will have a beer in a social situation, but I don't okay. drink it. Now, and, and don't yell at me for saying that Miller Lite is a beer. Let's leave that subject for another day. But assuming Miller Lite is a beer. Like having sex in a canoe, right? I wouldn't know. Where <laughs> did old, that come from? <laughs> it's an old joke. The punchline is it's fucking close to water. Miller Lite. Okay. Having sex okay. 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 Uh, you haven't heard glad, that joke? Glad Jesus. You explained it. Listen, I haven't had any on the Jesus. beach. I haven't had any on the beach either. Like I say, I'm not a drinker. But is Miller Lite going down the tubes with Budweiser? How unbelievably, I mean, my reaction to that commercial was about as horrible as you could get. It insulted whatever intelligence I have left. And to pair beer in the eyes of human beings with bags of dung has to be possibly the dumbest marketing tactic in the history of marketing tactics. Mm. New Coke aside. Indeed. How, well, Ed, was it you who said, is there nobody left with a brain in marketing? I think it was you. I'm said, sure I said something like that, yes. Well, I mean, oh. you have to have it surgically removed to get your marketing degree. Right? Apparently you do. I mean, you know. It's some of the dumbest marketing campaigns I've ever seen. I mean, how do you the U.S. Army? No, no, here, let, marketing campaigns. Oh, the Navy right Navy? here. The new U.S. Navy. Excuse me. Yes, the Navy. Sorry, Army As friends. A, the uh, U.S. Navy enlists a drag queen for digital ambassador role to attract more recruits. Now, I got to tell you, I don't think this marketing campaign will work, and it certainly will turn off straight guys. But if it does work, uh, we will have the most Fabulous POWs in the history of warfare when we lose the next war. I mean, I, I can't imagine the POW camps uh, after, after we lose. Um, utterly fabulous. I know it's quite possible the enemies would run away from this. Here's my non-binary non cat. He's very up with the uh, gender ideology, um, him being non-binary and all. Yeah. And then, you know, when I talk about the uh, parallel re realities in the world, this headline in The Guardian, are you a doctor who hates treating gay people? Come to Florida where Ron DeSantis has legalized bigotry. And I'm betting that there's 40% of the population of America will believe that. Well, I mean, anything that gets this increases the separation um, is good. Right. Well, I was about to say that. Yes, maybe it's not. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, again, the great separation uh, is is happening, and it's happening slowly, of course. But uh, you know, the point is, if if your goal of dissolution is ever going to be achieved, even, um, I think that uh, you know, the great separation has to continue and be speeded up. Now, what happened in Jacksonville? I don't know. You tell they me. They lost the mayor race there. I wasn't following that one. I wasn't following it either. I just saw the stories all over the place. First female mayor or something. And I'm curious because otherwise Florida is clearly heading in a wonderful direction. And like you say, the self-sorting and telling people not to move there, telling people maybe to get out of there is fantastic for Florida. But yet, you know, Jacksonville voted Democrat. 
So another city that the libs will totally own. Anybody have friends in Jacksonville? Can't say that I do. It it's is a, a booming. It, it's town. an it's an odd town uh, because it is, um, you know, it has a lot of crime. It does. Yeah, it's it's probably the worst of the Florida cities, other than yeah, Miami, you know, but of the rest. The thing is, it's a booming city. Some bad spots in Tampa too. Yeah, there are some bad spots in Tampa. Absolutely. Bad spot. Yeah, maybe maybe DeSantis is behind that article then to keep people away. I mean, I can't imagine they passed the law saying you can't treat gay people. Those same 40% that believe that article are, are the same 40% that said, if you don't get a COVID shot, we're not going to let you buy food. So mm -hmm. and they can they can take my middle finger and shove it. Well, actually, they're the same people who said that DeSantis already murdered everybody in Florida. So I don't know why they're worried about him. But, you know, it's, it's funny that we don't ever come back with that. Like, why don't we start every newscast if there would be a right wing news program with today is May the 17th, 2023. And there's still people alive in Florida. And I would just repeat that every single day and then play in the background when they said DeSantis is murdering everybody. Because like they say, the propaganda, the more you repeat it, the more people, you know, the more it sinks in. Why do we let them forget all those lies? Just like we'll let them forget the collusion lies that Adam Schiff came out every day. I did see one person asked him on TV, uh, what about your story about collusion? But if we would be pushing it every single day, maybe, maybe, maybe. Who's this week? Fox News? Well, no, I, I said if there would be, maybe Tucker's news agency should do that. I mean, in other words, we, we let them get away with their lies, even when they're proven to be lies. And would it help to keep pushing them out there? You know, speaking of Tucker, I don't think he's going to start a news agency right away. I've been thinking about him. And I think here's what I think he's doing. He's got this no, non-compete clause in his contract. And I think he's saying, OK, I'm not going to sign any new contract. You know, I, I, he's, he's got Elon Musk saying that there is no contract between us. We didn't sign any deal. And I think Tucker is going to say, OK, Fox, you, you think you can stop me from working for someone else? I'll take your money and I'll just post my stuff on Twitter. The same way that all of us here post things on Facebook and Twitter, and he's not going to get paid for it. And he'll, he'll get paid by Fox and Fox can continue to pay him. And he'll use the Fox money to produce the same content that he was producing before. Right. But Fox is the one who won't be able to monetize it. Lord knows he has the money to do it. I think that's what's he going on. It. He's, he can pay he's just going to, and, and, and he's using it as leverage to try and get out of his contract. And eventually Fox is going to say, you know what? It doesn't make sense for us to keep paying him $25 million a year to let him post all of his stuff, you know, produce all this content and post it for free on Twitter. You know, I think the uh, I think the contract, you know, again, rumors um, was about, you know, non-compete on television and not not necessarily on the Internet. I think what he wants to get out of in the contract is the non-disparagement clause. I think he really wants. I mean, I think he'd be perfectly happy to do a job, uh, do a show on Twitter and, and accept the 20 million dollars a year to produce a 
I think he wants to get out of the non-disparagement clause because I think he has a lot to say about Fox News and the people in Fox News. And he he wants to say it. Um, but so right why now, doesn't, why doesn't he walk away from the money? Musk was willing to put up more money than no, that. no, it's You're nothing not to do with the money. They're not going to let him out of walk that. away from the money. Stephen, think about it like this: You and I post things on Facebook. That it, we're not. It wouldn't be. He's not competing with them. It's. It, he's not violating the. No, but he's talking clause. about the disparagement. Yeah. Okay. There's he can't all- just walk away. The non-disparagement has to do with the contract. I think he's using leverage to try and get out of that contract. And that'll be part of getting out of the contract. Yeah. I mean, and I, Elon I doubt has they'll promised, let him out of that, that part of it. Elon has promised monetization well, for a long form video comment on Twitter. So we'll see whether that happens or not. I think he's just gonna I think he's just gonna take Fox's money, produce his own content, and just post it for free on on Twitter. And give Fox a big middle finger and say, Man. I'm taking your money and you can't shut me up. I don't and know why he needs to limit it to Twitter. non-disparagement. doesn't need to limit it to Twitter, really, if he doesn't want to, unless he thinks like Facebook and YouTube are just going to shut up. No, I mean, it would be a it would be a terrible mistake for him to just uh, do uh, Twitter. You know, what he should do is produce a show and put it out on all sorts of platforms, you yeah. know, and or hold it on to his own um you know, his own infrastructure and then, uh, you know, sell memberships. I mean, Jesus, if Stephen Crowder can make $20 million a year. Once he sells right. memberships, then he's running afoul of the non-compete. Yeah, but I mean, if get if he gets out of the, the contract, I mean, the truth is if, if he starts, uh, he could easily make more. You know, somebody, I don't know who it was, maybe it was Crowder himself, you know, who went through the whole thing with the Daily Wire. Um <laughs> But he said, you know, he's $100 million a year. There is $100 million a year just waiting there for Tucker if he knows how to, if he monetizes it correctly. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not an expert on this, but I assume since Crowder is thumb free, a lot behind a paywall, you know, that's kind of what he's suggesting. Teaser free, paywall rest. I mean, there are other ways to do things because I don't know. Speaking for myself, when they start asking for money and subscriptions, it's like I'm out. You know what I mean? Like how many, how many things, these things you're going to pay for? But look, like Tubi's become like the most uh, lucrative um, streaming service, if you will, out there. You know that has all kinds of free content, and it's all ad driven. They're doing, they're doing better than YouTube and Hulu and. Who is well, I pay, I pay real money to get rid of Tubi. ads on all of the stuff. Is, I, I know I never watch ads. If they say it's $3.99 a month with ads or $15.99 a month without ads, I pay the $15.99 a month because yeah, I the absolutely problem is though, that. like I think Mike is saying, how many can you belong to? At a certain right. point, it gets ridiculous. But I think you can make money without having a subscription. It's advertising. <laughs> well, you can do your readouts and interrupt your, your show every yeah. five minutes with greens and pillows and uh, mattresses and gold and whatever else they say that they definitely but, use but wait a second Stephen, you're not familiar with tubi no i wasn't you, you I, don't have a smart tv do you just have a dumb TV? i don't have a smart tv you have a dumb tv that explains. i do have a, well i have a medium tv <laughs> i'm a little bit late well, getting a very smart tv it, because of you know, because the, they're listening to everything you say. Yes. Unlike once you, get, my once you get past that, unlike my smartphone, 
But apparently streaming is now as there's more people streaming. They've cut the cord than are actually than actually have cable now. So it just it, it really is amazing just from a technological perspective. Um, you know, when I was at AFP, we also always would used to say the ground is crumbling beneath your feet. You constantly need to change and evolve. And, you know, whoever would have thought 10 years ago, cable would be dying. And that's exactly what, what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is a pretty fascinating um, thing to watch unfold. And it's happening fast. Speaking of Elon Musk, um, I do want to speak on behalf of one Jew. He's being ripped, raked over the coals once again for being anti-Semitic, for saying something about George Soros. I just want to state for the record, this is one Jew who is totally fine with ripping George Soros. No, that is not anti-Semitic. Thank you. Well, that means you're now officially not a Jew. You know what I mean? It's just like, That's well, a, the oh, it's like what happens the with Clarence Thomas. He's no longer black. Right, I know. The ADL has weaponized anti-Semitism so that you cannot criticize any Jewish person in the world and the funny for anything is, they've ever done. The even ADL if they're doesn't not have a lot of credibility Jewish. anymore. That's the funny part because they protest everything but anti-Semitism. You know, so that's what's so weird about them. But yeah, I mean Netanyahu criticized uh, um, George Soros. I wonder if they ADL. I just saw Israel, stuff. some minister in Israel just said something against Musk because of this. And I'm like, first of all, keep your mouth shut, like I say about everybody. But just the fact that somebody's born Jewish doesn't get them off the hook any more than you're born anything else. If you're an evil person, you're an evil person. Well, it's the blob, right? I mean, it's, it's the blob. The blob will defend its own. And uh, since racist now is old and... Uh, you know, people are tired of being called racist. They're now being called anti-Semites. Which is uh, also when, weird, by the way. The There's nothing wrong with white supremacism. In many circumstances, yeah, anti-Semitism is cool. I mean, if you're AOC or, you know, Rashida Tlaib and all these things, there's nothing wrong with anti-Semitism. What are they saying about Bernie Sanders um, going behind McCarthy's back, getting a, spe a special room for Tlaib to celebrate Nakba Day? And Bernie Sanders is also a nominal Jew. So anti-Semitism is cool in some circles. I don't know if it has the sting of being racist. I mean, there's a certain par a partisan aspect to it. I, I don't think Rashida is necessarily part of the blob. I think she's a tool of the blob, right? I mean, I think the blob wants everybody constantly at each other's throat because that's the way they get away with what they get away with, which is mostly taking power and whatnot. But I, I, I don't think... I think Flav is just a, a you know, a, a pawn. I mean, she's an idiot. You know, it's like AOC. She's an idiot too. Pretty good actress, but idiot. Um, I think they're just pawns in the hand of the uniparty, you know, the blob. Well, because it's so easy to con them into thinking they're real people. Yeah. And, you know, when you look at these hate crimes, right, all of the white supremacy hate crimes, I mean, the demand for white supremacy greatly outstrips the supply. And so most of these, you know, anti-Semitic and, and anti-Black hate crimes are actually, you know, committed by uh, Blacks or in Jews or minorities or something who are trying to make a point. There's this, uh, there was this Black girl in a college, I forget exactly where, who smeared her, uh, her college dorm room door with anti-Black uh, statements and then, you know, ran to the administration. 
wants attention. It's all very much about attention. No, no, no. It kind of gets back to the Daniel Penny story, which I, last time I looked, he raised $2 million for his defense. There's some people who are saying that that's going to be a uh, what sort of looking for a turning point, an inflection point, I guess is even a better word for it, that people are fed up with crime on the subways. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if people ever get fed up with crime on the subways or they just, just deal with it. It's just the, the norm of, uh, of New York. It, it, Excuse me. It's very difficult to, um, honestly, it, it's very difficult to see, you know, after, you know, Ed has said, you know, all what people put up with, with COVID, whether there is, you know, an end to this, you know, whether there's some sort of, stopping point where um, people will just get fed up with stuff. And I, you know, I've talked to so many people, um, you know, in the medical profession about, you know, they all wear masks. None of the patients wear masks anymore, but the, the doctors and the nurses and everybody do. And I kept, I, I kept getting to the young ones and like, why don't you be the first one to take your mask off and just be a human again? And they're like, well, you know, it's, it's very, it, there's a, a conformity in the younger generations now that certainly wasn't around when I was a kid. Conformity to authority, you know. I mean, when I was a kid, authority? Are you kidding? If it was a rule, we would break it, you know. I don't know. The Milgram experiment was in what, the 50s, 60s? Yeah. Well, we've uh, got a whole I, country full of Milgrams. I wish my kids were showing more signs of that at home when I try to tell them what to do, but that's another story. <laughs> well, that's because you're a good dad. But, you know, the, the funny thing is um, I did take my one daughter to the doctor this week, and it, this is like one of the last places it seems like they're still wearing the mask. And my wife is like, you got to bring the mask. And, you gotta, uh. and I show up there, and lo and behold, it's like one with a mask on, one without a mask on. And I'm like, okay, if you don't have it on, <laughs> it's coming off. <laughs> That's it. So, but uh, I teased one of the uh, nurses. Um, you know, my mom's in a nursing home and I, I go in there and I've gotten to be friendly with a bunch of uh, the staff. And I, one of the nurses, he goes around with the mask around his, his, his chin and, and, and a neck. And I said to him the other day, you, you realize that respiratory viruses don't get in through the neck, right? And uh, yeah. he, he, he laughed. I'm like, take it all the way off. Mm -hmm. Road. Well, I think the other interesting COVID news this week that I saw was that um, there, there was a study done that showed that there was some evidence that the ventilators yeah. actually were leading to the deaths of people with COVID, not COVID itself. And it's just amazing how these these little nuggets they just keep trickling out, you know. About how, not only that the vaccine was was bad, the lockdowns are bad. Now the ventilators apparently were a big mistake, also. Yeah, that came out quite a while ago. Actually, looks mm -hmm. like uh, Stephen is muted, which is great because we can then talk about him and he yeah. can talk all stuff. about me. I, I wasn't think, sure if he was on the phone there. I think. Um, I think Alu in his book talked about ventilators, but I remember Laser ranting about the ventilators killing people way back in 2020. Now, to yeah. me, it should have been obvious knowing nothing about lungs or ventilators 
is if 80% of people are dying when you do something, maybe do something else, just just yeah. on that basis. Well, that's mm-hmm. not the peer-reviewed science there, Stephen. You've got I know, it's just, as we Jews say, seichel. I mean, just hello, <laughs> common <laughs> sense. Ed, did you read the story about a federal judge who ruled that age restrictions on handgun sales are unconstitutional? I did see that. That should and be like, big news. Yeah, and and not just handguns too, but yeah. The, and then states are, well, it's it's part of the Gun Control Act of 1968. So it's part of federal law that prevents um, 18 to 20 year olds from purchasing uh, handguns. And that is the thing that was ruled unconstitutional, not any state laws that potentially restrict handgun sales. This is sales. 55 years since that law was passed. And now all of a sudden somebody comes along and says no, which again, I don't know the history of people trying to fight it. I would have hoped somebody would have tried to fight it a long time ago. Anybody know anything about it? Well, the, yeah, I mean, I, it's, I know a lot about it, but I mean, the, the NRA at the time uh, agreed to it. And uh, there were a lot of really horrendous um, parts of it. And they, sorry, the cat is, and, and they got rid of that with the, um, Firearm Owners Protection Act. They got rid of a lot of the really bad aspects of uh, the Gun Control Act in the Firearm Owners Protection Act of 1986. So that was only 18 years after it. Um, the NRA, of course, is a political organization, and it tries to make. A, you know, lately it's defunct, but uh, it tried to make progress using the political process, not the legal process. In fact, they were against any legal attempts, uh, you know, law uh, suits to uh, repeal gun control because they felt that the chances of winning were so low and the chances of the uh, courts, especially the Supreme Court, saying that the Second Amendment says the exact opposite of what it says were so high that they opposed any lawsuits at all, uh, preferring to fight in elections. And, you know, that's fine, you know, and that's why democracy should work. Even the, the landmark Heller case of 2010, which said the um, right to own a firearm was an individual right, um, which, of course, we all agree with. Uh, the NRA was not on board with that at all because they were very afraid, uh, especially the court at the time, were going to uh, rule against them and further solidify the idea that uh, there is no such thing as the individual right to bear arms. Of course, they won that, and then they won McDonald in 12. And Bruin last year, the two year, uh, last year, two years ago, last year, I guess. So, um, and those have been meaningful victories, but the NRA is more interested in electing pro-gun congressmen and state assemblymen and senators than they are in doing court cases. Um, and unfortunately, the NRA, unlike the, the GOA, the Gun Owners of America, which is an, you know, Gun Owners of America is the, is the real pro-gun organization. Um, the NRA does not fight like the National Firearms Act of 1934, which obviously is unconstitutional. The, gun control, the remainder of the Gun Control Act of 1968, which is unconstitutional, or the Firearms Owners Protection Act, which, um, you know, the parts that repealed there in favor of, but the parts that left in place um, and in fact strengthened uh, some gun control, uh, the 86 law, um, the NRA is not in favor of overthrowing those where the GOA 
most definitely is in favor of um, declaring all of those unconstitutional. All right, the only other story I would talk about is dishwashers. We just bought a dishwasher, thank God. So uh, let's see, Biden administration takes aim at dishwashers, escalates war on household appliances. Mm-hmm. They're trying to ban dishwashers. Maybe they'll make them like the uh, clothes washers where you can only use a few drops of water. When we bought our current washer, um, which was a couple of years ago, we went and uh, my wife, of course, went and looked and found uh, it, w- it was not the highest rated washer. But if you looked at the individual scores, like they break it out like this and that and the other thing and all that, this washer was rated a 10 in every case, except for environmental friendliness, which it was rated low. That's the one you got. And that's the one we got. And it is, <laughs> a, you know, top loader. It fills up with water. And that, oh, they hated that, that the consumer organizations and everything hated the fact that it uses all this water. Well, I mean, look outside. It comes from the sky guy, at least around here anyway. And uh, that's the one we got. So uh, it was, in fact, the uh, libertarian highest rated washer. And we just got a new uh, dishwasher, too, that was uh, uh, excellent. And hopefully they will last for decades. In fact, the washer and dryer usually conveys, right, when we sold the house. Um, but we didn't do that. We hired a guy to go and switch the washer and dryer from our old house with the crappy washer and dryer from this house. So basically, <laughs> you're saying you want little children to die. Yes. I, yes. <laughs> Everybody. Uh, I, I want the planet to warm. Mm-hmm. I want CO2 to go up. I want you want, um, the, pl- you want the planet gone. I want the planet going. You know, the weird thing is like they'd say, oh, well, California, they have these droughts. And it's true that California does a drought. Anybody drive, uh, fly over the country realizes that there's huge portions of the country that don't have any water. Um, but, you know, the weird thing is, it's like washers and dryers and, and uh, showers. And you can't even wash your hands anymore because the stream of water is so low. None of that adds up to anything compared to like lawns and especially agriculture. That's what takes all the water. So what they do, it's sort of- They wanna, um, they wanna starve us, Ed. They'll stop yeah. the agriculture. Yeah, well, they're doing that in the Netherlands and people are fighting back, um, which is good. Uh, they're not winning yet, but at least they're fighting. Well, Ed, uh, I wanna thank you for reminding me that I have to water my lawn this evening. So I wanted to get that out there. I'm reporting you. (laughs) Um, Ed, what you said, I'm wondering, shouldn't we make reverse ESG scores? Yes, exactly. We could start a little group and put, you know, yellow stickers on washing machines and everything else. (laughs) That's right. Give a libertarian score. I want to get, my wife won't let me, uh, but I want to get more CO2 as my um, license plate. but she said, oh, you'll just, your car will just get keyed by crazy environmentalists. I'm like, yeah, that's true. Probably would be. I like my car so much. I don't want to give it up. Well, I have um, a John, John Galt bumper sticker on mine and it hasn't gotten. But nobody keyed. knows who he is on, on the other exactly. side of the aisle, right? <laughs> who is John? You know what? Right? I think some people do. One time, some, some guy started beeping at me and then you're, you know what I mean? He was trying to get my attention. He's rolling down the window and I'm trying to figure out, is he with me? This guy was not with me. He was like furious, like 
Oh, that's um, what he, he it, it was like raging. He was turning beet red. Because I'm surprised how do people on rage. the other side know who John <laughs> is? That's not like a book they would read. It, it is funny. Well, well I mean, <laughs> it, it is funny because I have all sorts of uh, T-shirts, uh, some with message and some with out. This one is my team block T-shirt. Um, and the only T-shirt that has gotten uh, like really high people walking as people looking at it and saying things to me is my Washington Redskins t-shirt, which I got after they changed their name to Washington football team. I went and bought a Washington Redskins. Uh, And I I remember walking through an airport with that on one day and like five people came up to me and love your t-shirt. And it wasn't even around here. It was in Austin, Texas. So it's, it's funny. I, I, uh, Good for you, because I can't bring myself to say Cleveland Guardians at all. So yeah, no. they're still the it's Indians. Not, sorry, still the Indians. Yeah, not the once and future Indians. <laughs> I, I do have one last little thing before we go. I wanted to read you something from because we're on medical topics, you know, and we've talked about COVID. I want to read you something from, like, the front part of the New England Journal of Medicine, which is a very prestigious uh, journal, and um. And they talk, they talk about uh, the inequities faced by people with disabilities, uh, acknowledging the role of structural ableism as a contributor to poor health outcomes. Uh, we must find ways to measure and dismantle it. Um, more than 20% make of US disabled? More than 20%, 7% of US adults have disabilities, which may be visible or invisible, considering required static event. Now, this is the, the payoff paragraph. The distinction between ableism and structural ableism echoes that between racism and structural racism. Whereas ableism entails bias against and devaluing of people with disabilities. But let's remind ourselves what disability means. It means you're not able to do something. It's not able, that's what disabilities mean. Uh, Structural ableism entails, quote, a complex system of hierarchical and discriminatory processes, policies, and institution that privilege and prefer able-bodied people, you know, like my roofers, you know, the guys that did my roof. I preferred able-bodied people to hire to do my roof, as well as the deck and some of the other, and it was, and I was, I was apparently structurally ableist. My plumber has to actually walk upstairs and be able to like crawl down and get inside the plumbing. I, I did all that. So I go back to the quote fail to represent or meaningfully include disabled persons' voices and are grounded in a network of ableist beliefs and practices that maintain and reproduce unequal outcomes for disabled people. Unequal outcomes for disabled people. They're not abled, but they still should be able to walk. We're gonna not- Well, how, uh, come, how come I don't have a Super Bowl ring? And benefit able-bodied people. Anyway, that's a quote. This is like the front page course it's on the internet but if it were this particular issue of the new england journal of medicine what a bunch of cockamamie bullshit i can't believe that this is showing up. of course i can believe it we all can believe it um and like ed said i think they really do want to if 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 somebody has no legs they want to take all of our legs too uh you know or break them or whatever i think that's the mentality it's it's the nihilist destroy everything mentality and that is the i had to share that with you because it's the most crazy thing i've ever seen is there any contradiction between that and guys 
competing against girls in sports. Like on the one hand, we're saying it's not fair that you're, you know, not equally able, but on the other hand, we're making you compete against people more able. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we should have the Super Bowl. I think they should like, uh, you know, if one guy gets killed on one team, I think they should just kill another guy on the other team. You know, um, that's the. Well, that's I just I want, I want a Super Bowl ring because it's not my fault that I can't run and throw like this. <laughs> I, mean, I can't run. Logically enabled body person can now go into the Special Olympics. But, I mean, this is a serious journal and this is a serious so article in the front of the journal. And it is it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's just bizarre. And it's and yet there, right? it's presented. It's presented not as parody. It's not the Babylon Bee. It's the New England Journal of Medicine. I mean, what are they thinking? They're not. Well, ESG scores, et cetera, et cetera. These are peer-reviewed studies. But Jay Batakaria could probably never get something published in that. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. All right. Anybody else got any stories we didn't get to that you wanted to get to? No, not really. Ed? I think we covered it today. Adam, you're quiet today, so. He still made it, though, so he's a. Always uh, he, makes. He's a, Ed, yeah. our Rifkin. He's uh, Ed Rifkin, man. He is the Iron Man of the Liberty Block and probably of all podcasts. I, I will not be here next week. I will be in Las Vegas uh, doing sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Mm -hmm. um, searching so for, the, for the shooter? Yeah, that's right. Yes. In fact, I am staying at the Mandalay Bay, believe it or not. I am staying at the Mandalay believe Bay. Believe it. I, um, but I will I will be looking at the uh, I will be looking at the entrances, but I will be leaving my guns at home. Thank you. Um so you're gonna have to get someone to uh, to take my place next week. Who could take your place? <laughs> it's an interesting coincidence. Anyone. Anyone. I was going to actually fly anyone. out the whole crew to Vegas for a week's vacation anyway. What a coincidence. All right. We'll do it. We'll do it all together. And okay. in, in, uh, I invite y'all to, to my, to, to my uh, suite or whatever room they give me, and we can all do it together. All righty. Well, then we will close out for today. And this will be up as a podcast everywhere within an hour or so. Please send feedback to the Conservatarian Exchange at libertyblock.com and have a wonderful evening.